0: Uh, had to make it so the, the Murray brothers couldn't out down the episode too much with the, with their banter.
1: Yeah, it's always it's always refreshing when it's just Klepp and I. There's a little bit more of a respect respectfulness in the air. There's where we, we take our each other's points a little bit better faith. But you know that's what makes this podcast great because it can go from zero to 100. You never know what's gonna happen on the BJP. You know, you never know, especially in draft season. The takes are flying.
0: Tommy got uh, after the tape with some of the wide receivers so we'll get his thoughts on some some of the what nine receivers that you watched so far um trying to get to an even 20 he said he's really yeah. you know on that on that tape grind 11 to go uh, we're going to talk a, a little bit of pairs for these prospects saying all right this team take one guy in the first round to get another guy in the second round be a nice little one-two punch for, the, for these teams in the first and second round and then also, circle back to, to free agency, talk about some teams where we really like their moves, other teams where we're not so sure uh, about what the plan is. Tommy, do you want to start there? Who was a, a team, just from the initial thoughts on free agency, that you were a, a big fan of?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to ride chalk right now. Klepp and I, we both are talking about this pre-pod, and it seems to be everyone is a fan of what Cleveland has done this offseason, and, and I'm going to join in and just plant my flag there. Getting a guy like John Johnson, who's a versatile Safety who went healthy has been one of the better safeties in, in the league at a position that is that is pretty undervalued and being able to get him for three years at thirty three million dollars whatever it is and you know Cleveland that back end other than having a guy like Denzel Ward is really lacking some dynamicism with their linebackers with their safeties um, I probably was the biggest Grant Delpit guy last year and you know losing him to an Achilles or whatever it was um, you know the the prospect of him coming back paired with John Johnson that gets me really excited. And, you know, maybe in the prospect pairs, we'll find a linebacker, another playmaker for this second level of this defense. But Cleveland is very well on their way to having, you know, an elite edge rusher, Miles Garrett, a quasi-elite corner, and Denzel Ward, and then an elite safety with John Johnson. I mean, they're really putting together something special. And then, you know, on offense, I really like where this team is going with Stefanski at the helm, with, you know, Baker Mayfield playing good football. So I just want to give a shout out to Andrew Barry, who... It looks to be a little bit of a, of a wonder kid um, at the GM position coming in. One of the rare, you know, just instant impact GMs you don't really see. He's kind of in the in the ilk of a McVeigh or Shanahan coming in. So props to Andrew Barry and what's going on in Cleveland. Um, you know, they deserve it. So I'm happy for Browns Nation and the Cleveland Browns future.
0: One of the teams I kind of just want to talk about, too, would be uh, the Jaguars. Um, I just thought they made some... I thought maybe they could have honestly done a little bit more, um, although it never it never seems to do too well when teams break the bank. But the Jags had such a, a large amount of cap room in, in an offseason where there just really wasn't that much money being spent. Uh, I thought they could have done a little bit more, but I thought bringing in Marvin Jones was just a nice little signing for them, coming back to, to play with Daryl Bevel. You know, he joins a receiver room with two young guys in, DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault, and even other guys like Colin Johnson. um you know, that are just um, you know a little bit younger that I think Marvin can have a good impact on uh, in that room. Agnews joining him, yeah. nice little uh, you know repeat of, of Lions there, and also just adding uh, Shaquille Griffin at corner I thought was just a, a nice a nice pickup for them. I mean you have now C.J. Henderson who showed some promise uh, in his first year, paired with Shaquille Griffin who's been a very solid corner uh, in in Seattle. Uh, for the past couple of years. Just thought those were two nice little moves uh, made by them and sets them up to have a nice draft with, well, I think, five picks in the first two rounds. So, and obviously one of those picks will be Lawrence. So, the only one thing I would say is I would have liked to see them add um, uh, one of the pass rushers. I thought, you know, I thought they would have done well to add a guy like Trey Hendrickson who didn't exactly get a ton of money in Cincinnati. And I just thought that would have been a nice little move to pair with Josh Allen already, I know they have Caleb on chase on there. Maybe they think of him better than I do, but I just wasn't a big fan of his coming out last year. And the early returns last year was a lot of the same, of the concerns that I saw at LSU where it's just like his play strength isn't that great. And he's on the, on the ground a lot. So, um, other than that though, you know, they didn't get too, you know, ahead of themselves either. So just thought those were two nice moves for the Jags.
1: Yeah. I, I liked what some of what Jacksonville did as well. Um, I think you really uh, cleared it up. You know, a team that I want to shout out who I think has done a really good job is the uh, the Chargers, man. Uh, bringing in Corey Lindsley, just really attacking what they need to do and getting that offensive line shored up. Bringing in a guy like Corey Lindsley, who was arguably the best center in the league last year. Um, capitalizing on Green Bay's mistake. Maybe I can turn this into a little rant on the Packers re-signing Aaron Jones and, and, and not re-signing Corey Lindsley. Um, you know, Clep, you and Lee on in the stand episode, you talked about the Raiders, talked about the Bears. We're gonna to get to them. I think the Packers kind of deserve to be in that, that uh, in those held in those regards as well. Especially when you put into context what they did in the draft last year. We all panned the Jordan Love pick, but I think part of the you know the silver lining of the AJ Dillon pick was like, all right, you don't have to pay Aaron Jones and you can use that cap somewhere else because you're sen- you're spending a second round pick on a running back. And now they're going to you know pay Aaron Jones, who very well could be an elite running back. I think he's an awesome playmaker and deserves the money that he got from what he's done in this league, but the Packers losing a guy like Corey Lindsley, who LA smartly picks up, fills a huge hole for them, um, and then bringing in a guy like Matt Filer from uh, the Steelers, who kind of has been a little bit of a, uh, a you know a Swiss Army knife on the offensive line, playing all over, can play some tackle, can play some guard, and they still have a top 15 pick. What are they at, uh, 12 or 13, whatever it is, and probably are going to be in a nice spot to grab a Christian Derrissaw or maybe even a Rashawn Slater if you were to slip. So I think if I'm the Chargers, I'm going to continue to attack that offense. Derwin James is going to be healthy on defense next year. And, you know, their future is looking looking very bright.
0: Um, kind of going to some teams maybe we didn't like so much. Mentioned them in, in the previous episode, man, uh, the Bears and the Raiders, after I sent letters to Ryan Pace and Mike Mayock and so kindly Urged them to uh, make good decisions. They continued to not do those things. Uh, the Bears once again uh, just settling at the quarterback position, signing Andy Dalton for one year, twelve million dollars. It, it just doesn't even really move the needle. Dalton played a lot last year in Dallas, had you know some of the better weapons in the league around him, and still wasn't really able to you know push that team to the playoffs in a division that was god awful. Yeah. So. Um, I don't see how that really improves. Uh, obviously, the Bears, I guess, have a better, much better defense than the Cowboys did, but uh, still, just just a nothing move. And even compounding on that, you know, kind of having to make other cap decisions because of that signing, where you have to cut Kyle Fuller, who promptly gets signed, um, you know, as good players do, by other teams, who immediately goes to Denver the moment after he's cut. So just just kind of more of the same from chicago in terms of just making really nothing moves and of course you know they're leaking what they offered to go get russell wilson it's just like you guys have had like three years where we've all known that trubisky is a dud and you've effectively done not even nothing you've done like worse than nothing to fix the issue you have tried to stay with trubisky while also trading capital for nick Foles. You could have signed Andy Dalton last year, after the draft, right? Yeah. I mean, you could have signed Andy Dalton last year and not actually given up what you did for Nick Foles and been in the same position you are now, except now you're paying him money with still Foles. On. I mean, it's just a whole mess uh, in Chicago. I'm not upset about it. I'm, I'm, I'm. Frankly, I couldn't be more happy because they have dug themselves into uh, a deeper hole that the next GM and head coach will have to dig themselves out of next year, and the Lions are just a year ahead uh, in that rebuild process, so keep doing you, Chicago. I tried to help. uh, Whatever. And then, just shout out Raiders. Again, not really doing anything good. Um, Signing Kenyon Drake, who just did not look like a... mean, I I don't know. Chase Edmonds, I thought, looked better to me than than Kenyon Drake. I know Drake had some stats and some moments, but I just... I didn't like the way that Kenyon Drake looked last year in Arizona, and you're just kind of signing him. When you already have a workhorse running back like Josh Jacobs in place. Just draft a dude later on or, or make like a low, you know, risk signing. I don't know what that decision is. And then you just let Rod Rodney Hudson walk, who's one of the better interior linemen in the NFL. And you I mean a center. So like, you know, the most important position on your O line other than left tackle with your right handed quarterback there and Derek Carr and you just let him walk and then today, I mean I can't even remember the name of the guy that I they just basically Signed some dude uh, to their offensive line that they could have kept. I mean, Mike Mayock and John Gruden just have no idea what they're doing uh, when it comes to personnel moves and like how cap space works and how like restricted free agency. They just, I don't think they know what's going on, and um, they're they're just their drafts are catching up to them now too. I mean, Mike Mayock has just kind of had some dud drafts, and um, the chickens are coming home to roost uh, in a way. So, that's that's your Bears and Raiders update.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to pile on there because um, the vultures
0: also, are circling. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I, I think it's interesting, Klepp, because I was going to talk about. With well, let's start with the Bears. Um, you you described it as a mess for the next coach and GM, and it's it's Ryan Pace is is acting as if he just took over a franchise and is rebuilding them. Like it's almost like they're going for a quasi kind of tank in a weird way where. They let Kyle Fuller go. Akeem Hicks is exploring, you know, trade options. They're in, uh, you know, they're drafting at 20. You know, they they go they get to the playoffs. You know, this is, they're not going to be able to, they're in quarterback purgatory. It looks like they're setting up to be, to, to really compete with the Lions to be the, the worst team in the NFC North next year. I mean, I, I don't think it's as much of a lock for the Lions to be the worst team in the NFC North when you look at the potential disaster that the Bears could be, you um, why not just keep Trubisky, man? Like, what did Trubisky go to you Buffalo can't, for? I mean, you
0: just can't do that. It's yeah. Just, it's, yeah, you just can't do that. I yeah, mean, you, I, I, right. I know
1: what you're. I know what you're trying to say. You just
0: can't do that. You're, you're I, right. I, in, in I, I think more numbers. so the question is, Tommy. Like, if you're gonna sign, you know, Dalton for for twelve. I know Jameis, I, We don't know all the situations with Dame, Jameis and why to stay in New Orleans, but I think he signed for one year for twelve million. Like you, I believe he turned gonna,
1: down the Bears, though. I believe the Bears yeah, were in is, on that conversation. You know, so it's a, you know, I don't
0: know, but like, would you not offer if you're? Here's the thing: if you're Ryan Pace, like your back is kind of against the wall. Like, yeah. y- you know, why wouldn't you say like, "Oh, hey, Jameis, want to come play here for three years, seventy million dollars?" Yeah. And like, just like, just just see if he takes it because yeah. it's just so much money. Or send what you know? What do the Jets want for Darnold? Like, yeah. that's an objectively better choice than than going at. Like the unknown of Darnold, to me is at least better than the known that is Dalton. Who sure is he? Upgrade over Nick Foles? Yes. Is he a starting NFL quarterback? No. Yeah. Right. And so um, I don't know. It's just it, you'd rather have Goff, I think, than Aaron Donald. To, like, a I mean, Aaron Donald. Not Aaron Donald. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, yeah. I think you... I'm having Sam Darnold, Andy Dalton, you're whatever. You're good. You're good. I think, to a, to a certain extent, like, I'd prefer to have Goff, like, over yeah.
1: over Andy Dalton. It's just, like... Well, I will say, I think, if I'm a Bears fan, I think this is good, ultimately, because this is the, this is the end of it. You know, like, the team... The, whatever the hype was of the 2018 season like they're not hanging on to that anymore the team should be bad next year it's going to be a tough year for for Bears nation next year but trying to compete you know with with this team you have to think the defense is going to continue to regress you know the defense was good next year but how long can they continue to be just the backbone of this team and, and keeping this team really like at, at mediocrity and keeping them in? You know that seven to nine win range. I I very boldly last year said that I think the, I thought the Bears were going to have a top five pick, and they might have if they didn't ring off all those wins to start off the year and start off six and no or whatever it was or five and one. I, f- I forget. But and, you know anyway, I think as opposed to the Raiders, I think if I'm a Bears fan, at least you know that the failures of the 2017 draft and taking Drabisky and the the playoff run and the double doink, the Cody Parky, all that stuff is looks to be in the rearview mirror and you should have a team next year that is going to be in a position to draft a quarterback. And I would tear it I would tear it all down. I was I don't think I ever got on the airwaves with you guys when the whole Russell Wilson stuff was going down, but how could you ever acquire Russell Wilson from if you're the Chicago Bears, you have you have bad draft capital, you have nothing of value other than Khalil Mack and I guess Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, but I mean, nothing really that's going to move the needle for an elite quarterback. So, I think all in all, the Bears are headed for a rebuild, which I think is good. If I'm a Bears fan, I'm at least happier going into this offseason than I was last offseason, you know, pretending that Trubisky was a franchise quarterback. And then to touch on the Raiders real quick, I mean, Clep, you summed it up well. They just, I have no idea what they're doing. Um, they had one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. They've completely just ransacked the talent they had. I guess they brought back Richie Incognito, but he was the oldest and Probably the worst of the linemen that they let go, and what is their plan with Henry Ruggs? Like they brought in Kenyon Drake to be like a—they. It's almost like he views him as like McCaffrey. Like he's going to be used as a third-down running back and a slot receiver, pretty much. And uh, the defense is is a lot worse. I mean, it's just not good. And I don't expect. To, how do you expect the Derek Carr, you know, to be better next year with a with a team that has a worse yeah. offensive line? And
0: Tommy, even some of that stuff you're talking about with like rugs and their skill position players this goes back to last year when they brought in Lynn bowden and then just traded him before the season yes. started it's just Absolutely. like what like the, the things the decisions that this organization makes just are just uh, they're not good ones well so, and
1: uh, and as someone who just listened to our uh receiver pod from last year like what's up with brian edwards man like the whole the whole thing on brian edwards this uh, last offseason was he's going to get i don't I know it's every year there's there's a new training camp thing but oh Brian Edwards is going to have 100 catches this year, and Brian Edwards is going to be, like, the featured X receiver for this offense, and then he, you know, doesn't even play. I'm, I don't even, you know, I obviously was the lowest out of all you guys, but I didn't think, like, you're spending a third-round pick on him. Like, you better see the field, especially with all the hype that he had during the offseason. So I just don't really know where this team is headed. They, they obviously need, you know, I mean... It, Derek Carr we always have been ragging on Derek Carr for the past three years but like he's he's not awful but you know I just don't really know what their the direction of the Raiders you know yep
0: yeah. so I don't know uh, any other teams you want to just quickly uh, say you didn't like what they did or is that about it
1: um I mean I'm gonna I'm going I kind of want to talk about the Titans and how I'm gonna be fading them going into next year. Um, lost Corey Davis lost Johnny Smith, You know, losing Art Smith as well, too. This isn't really... It's not that I think that Art Smith is going to be a great coach in Atlanta, but I do think that he was a huge part of what their offense was able to do, how Ryan Tannehill was able to be really comfortable in that, you know, run-heavy offense with play action. And then, you know, obviously, A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry are elite offensive players in, in the NFL. Like, I'm not doubting that. But then, you know, Isaiah Wilson, obviously, like, they they... This just, like, I think this team... They should be solid, but I think the Colts are a much better bet to win the AFC South. And I would even put a put a flyer on Jacksonville right now where you could have a little bit of a first year magic with Trevor Lawrence and a team that Clep, you mentioned some of their moves. Like I don't think they're gonna be a um you know, a complete pushover than the Texans are are bad. And and giving Bud Dupree eighty two million dollars, I just you know, I don't think Bud Dupree's bad, but he was the third option on that on that Steelers pass rush and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. I think afforded to give him a lot of opportunities and he has had some injury issues. Um, so, you know, I think that he should be a fine player in year one across from Harold Landry. They definitely got better there, but I just think they have a lot of holes of uh, releasing a Dory Jackson. That kind of came out of nowhere. I don't really know why they were doing that. Um, Malcolm Butler is gone as well too. That made a little bit more sense, but Christian Fulton's going to, you know, have a lot, a lot of weight on his shoulders. I had high expectations for him coming out of the draft last year. Uh, and I think he had a pretty solid rookie year, but you know, there's just a lot of holes on this team. And I just, I also think this is Ryan Tannehill's ceiling. Like I don't think that we're going to see Ryan Tannehill get, uh, you know, much better. I don't think there's really a lot more growth there. I think that he has been a really good quarterback and a really nice system with a lot of talent around him. So I think Titans are going to have a, a really interesting year next year, and they're going to need a lot of guys to step up if they want to remain in the playoff picture.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, will be an interesting draft for them, too. You know, yeah. do they are they able to replace guys like Corey Davis and, and Johnny Smith with, you know, not necessarily saying you have to take a wide receiver and a tight end, but are you just able to replace that production? Um, you know, and like, spending a first-round pick on a, on a tackle who is no longer with your team a year later is a, a big deal. So, yeah. uh, especially, when, you know, when you've moved on from guys like Jack Conklin, um, Taylor O'One keeps getting older. So, um, definitely, uh, definitely a crossroads, but, you know, John Robinson's a, a, a good, good GM and, uh, you know, Viper was a good coach too. So we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting. I think that's definitely though something that definitely good to, to point out. Um, shall we jump into some, some prospect pairs?
1: Yeah, let's, let's jump into some prospect pairs, man.
0: Um, so just to, just to explain this a little bit more for the people, we're just going to say, Hey, here's a team with a first and a second round pick. Here's a guy we think you know would help their team a lot in the first round, and then give them someone in the second round to complement that pick as well. Obviously, a little projection goes into this. With guys may or may, or may not be there uh, as we go, you know, through I, I, something I was kind of talking to Lee about yesterday just on the phone was I think there's a lot of uh, you know, I don't know, differentiating opinions when it comes to like the 16th through like the 50th dude. Like, yeah. I think it's just going to be really interesting. I think there's going to be some guys that go in the second half of the first round where we're kind of shocked by it. And not necessarily say shocked by it as if we think they're bad players, but just that you haven't really seen them go there uh, in mock drafts and projections. And then I think there's going to be people who fall into the second round where we're sitting there like, wow, I can't believe this guy is, is there. And sometimes that's for better or worse, right? The league knows more information than, than draft Twitter, right? Sometimes you get in those little bubbles. So it doesn't mean that... That player is necessarily better or worse, but I think it's just going to be interesting going forward. I'm going to kick us off with the Falcons. Let's hear it. And we're, we're going to make a little splash, right? We're going to get Trey Lance at number four. Yep. Uh, you know, put put Lance behind Matt Ryan for a year. Let him play maybe the second half of the season, something like that. Um, get get the heir apparent in the building. I don't think I think Matt Ryan has reached his ceiling. Right. I mean, he, he good quarterback had an MVP season. Kind of did everything you could have ever expected him to do. Got you guys to the Super Bowl. Didn't work out. New coach. We're going to get a new quarterback in the building uh, and just get this thing headed on the right track uh, beyond 2021. And then we're going to second round. They have the third pick in the second round. Pick 35, Najee Harris. All right, man. And we're going to have a backfield of Trey Lance and Najee Harris. Falcons have a huge hole at running back. Gurley thing didn't really work out. Brian Hill Stinks. I was pissed off by that. That was my big free agent pickup. I was like, Gurley's going to get hurt. Brian Hill's going to get starter reps. It happened against the Raiders. Literally every one of the Falcons ate against the Raiders except for Brian Hill. So, Edo Smith, nice little piece. All right, but let's bring in in Najee who who brings a value uh, from day one uh, and then slowly bring Trey Lance into the fold. And I was just thinking, too, with Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee, he may want to replicate that big body back that he had in Derrick Henry uh, with the with the Falcons and just bring in Najee Harris at 35. He could go into round one. We'll see. But uh, you know, sometimes those running backs, as we saw last year, they fall right to the end of round one, and they start getting picked up right at the beginning of round two.
1: Clapp, I love that. Um, I've got Trey Lance solid at number four for the Falcons for me as well. Um, I mean, just another I've, – I've made this point in a couple other podcasts, but if I'm Atlanta – if you're not getting, if you're not trading down for another team to draft a quarterback, if you're sticking at four, I think you have to take a quarterback. And in order to trade down, you're going to need a nice, fat package with some first-round picks, um, and you know, adequate capital to move off a potential franchise quarterback in Trey Lance, who would be in a great situation where he's not—he's a guy who I think needs some seasoning and really, you know, could thrive in this system. With even Julio Jones, as he gets older, I still think has a certain floor, um, you know, as the type of receiver he is, and Calvin Ridley and. Guy like Hayden Hurst, um, you know, I think there's some nice pieces there for for trailing to thrive on, and and I love I love Najee Harris going there at the beginning of, of round two. Klep. Um I will be happily surprised if he doesn't go in on round one. Um, I'm really expecting him to go in round one, and if he does get to round two, they might have to trade up because Miami's sitting at 35. Clep. I think that Miami might want to get their hands on Najee Harris if he's uh, if he's available there as well. But I think that I think that's a great a great pairing. They they might need a running back the most in the NFL right now, I think, right? I mean, they probably have the biggest running back hole. I'm just trying to think off top. I mean, I think Miami has a better yeah, situation. Yeah, I mean, they, than they, them. they didn't really do anything the in, in
0: free, they didn't do anything in free agency either really, so Yeah. Um definitely a bit a big spot for them that they need to to take care of.
1: Yeah, I like I like both of those pairings a lot. Um I'll throw something out. I'm going to start with one that I've, I've really been liking, and it's, it's my Dallas Cowboys, all right? Let's grab Patrick Sertain at number 10. I think he's the best corner in the draft. Definitely does not have the athletic profile of Caleb Farley, but his game bread has been the best corner in Alabama for a couple of years now. Um, pairing, I mean, you're going to have Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Sertain, which is pretty much the 2019 Alabama corner pairing. I like that a lot. Um, I just think from day one, he's going to offer a really high floor, come in, technically sound. Doesn't really have a lot of weakness to his game other than the fact that he might be running like a 4-5 or or something like that. But I'm not too scared about it because I just like his mentality, like the bloodlines. I just think he's a pretty safe prospect. And then at number 41, or number 42, excuse me, grabbing my boy Javon Holland from Oregon. Defensive back, can play slot, can play safety probably is going to be a safety uh, at the next level, but I just think has a lot of versatility, tough football player, another high four floor player that I'm really comfortable starting from day one, um, who can make a lot of plays, willing tackler. Uh, and again, just a guy who I don't think has a lot of weaknesses other than maybe his athletic profile. So two guys that maybe might not have the the, the best measurables from a, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to win the, uh, the, the tight race or whatever, whatever Lee called it. They're not lad Kings. And they're not lab kings. These are these are football players who I think are going to make a a big impact on a Cowboys team that needs to be competing next year in a division that I think is weak. Um, so I think those are two really nice pieces for the Cowboys secondary.
0: Yeah, I, I, I you know I think anything adding to that defense is is necessary at this point. Um, obviously, Cowboys could definitely use a hell of little help on the offensive line. Yeah. Um, you know with. with that that situation slowly has maybe deteriorated a little bit. So could have a, have a hole, a little bit of guard and tackle, but definitely if anything else, after you kind of made a luxury pick last year in CD lamb, obviously he's, he's a really good player so far. Um, but you know, this is kind of what happens and your defense isn't, isn't as good just. And then, like you said, right. Like Trayvon Diggs was a nice little, um, you know, he had a great rookie season, Mm -hmm. um, Neville Gallimore, I think you, you want a little bit more from him. The only thing I would kind of when, – one when player uh, I kind of was looking at for, for the Cowboys is getting a, a guy like um, a Tommy Togiai mm. or um, an Aleem McNeil in, in the second round, just an interior defensive lineman that kind of goes along. Because, I don't know, Tristan Hill has kind of been a disappointment so far. Um, to me, Neville Gallimore, I liked him a lot just as like kind of a gap-shooting athletic three technique. I think if you get a guy like Togiai from Ohio State – um, or Lee McNeil, he's from uh, NC State. Those are yep. both kind of like big nose tackle, one technique type players who can maybe free up some some space for Gallimore, who I believe in to, to have, you know, maybe a more successful career, um, but then maybe even a little break for Tristan Hill. And just helps out, you know, it, you know, you know me, I like to build in those trenches, right? When you have the yep. defensive line working well freeze up the linebackers to move around a little more, freeze up your cornerback and your secondary maybe to take a little bit more risks. So when you talk about rebuilding that Cowboys defense, I know, I mean, unfortunately it just isn't really a great, you know, edge or interior defensive line class, but with the players that the Cowboys have, right, you have a Demarcus Lawrence, you have a Neville Gallimore. If you know what you're looking for in this interior defensive line class and say, I'm going to get a dude who's just going to take up space. Right. And, and I think, at the bare minimum, that's what a Tunguyi or, you know, a McNeil gives you is at least they're just going to occupy blockers with, you know, kind of how strong they are. But then I think their their ceilings are higher than that. So mm. um, I, I just thought maybe adding adding something on the interior, I think, could be a nice place to maybe start this defensive rebuild.
1: Yeah, Clep, I think those are all good points. Um, I just kind of think they're a little bit the secondary is a little bit more valuable of a position. And I definitely think the Cowboys are going to be taking into your defensive lineman. I haven't deep dove into that, into that position group as well. I've, I've liked some Davion Nixon, what I've seen from Iowa and Barmore. We might I think, be
0: talking about him in a second here.
1: Yeah. All right. That's what I like to hear. Barmore, I think has a lot of upside and flashes, but I just don't know if every day, you know, he's an every down stud, like some people are making him out to be, but the, you know, the Cowboys need help stopping the run. And I just think you might be able to get that on day three or in round three. I don't really know what uh, Tommy Togai or what their range is. You know, I don't know if he's really a second-round pick, but I'm really bullish on these guys. I mean, I think Javon Holland, if Javon Holland was a, you know, and had a better athletic profile, he's probably a, a round one pick and competing with Moreg for that number one safety spot, so... Yeah, I don't know if you saw Clep, but uh, Maurice Jones-Drew actually the most outrageous pick of his mock draft. It wasn't Najee Harris or whatever going 18 to the Dolphins. It was Javon Holland going 10 to the Cowboys. So mm. MJD's a little higher on Javon Holland than I am, but uh-huh. uh, I just thought that was that crashed me. It, up.
0: Not to get you know too deep in the weeds, I just think like with the, the edge and the interior defensive line class are, are so interesting because I think there's just a lot of guys. But there's no one necessarily who stands out among the rest. Um, I think just going into this year, I think you just really need to know um, what you're looking for, right? So if you have someone on your team in place who kind of is that space eater, maybe look for a guy who is more of an athletic gap shooter type of player, like a Davion Nixon is, right? So um, same thing with with the edge class. I haven't done like a ton of work. I think I I like Osai a lot. I mm-hmm. think he's just a super high-effort player. wasn't Wasn't a big Greg Rousseau guy? So you might far? be hearing
1: about o- Osai in a little bit, Clay. Yeah,
0: all right, all right. So I don't know. I I wasn't a huge fan of Rousseau. What do though. you I,
1: could? What I, do you think of Jalen Phillips, man? Because I think he's really interesting. Um, obviously, he might be the most talented. He might be the best edge rusher in the class based off pure talent, and obviously was a huge recruit. Um, actually, a little side note: I uh, I have an inside source from the UCLA football program who told me he left there due to a. Uh, a narcotic addiction or a pills addiction. Not addiction, but he had a problem with it. I don't want to say it was an addiction, but he had to leave. That's what. Uh,
0: he had, he <laughs> had to leave we, before we get sued for slander. Let's, let's uh
1: I no yeah. libel, no libel here, but so there could be some potential character concerns, but obviously has all the flashes on tape you'd like to see, but and has had some concussion issues as well. So, weird things going on with a guy like Jalen Phillips, but has all the talent in the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched uh, a ton of it, but I think it's just like when you look at a guy like him, it's just like 6'5", 260, like it's all kind of there physically, and then, you know, the pedigree just with the five-star recruit, I mean, it's it's all there physically. I don't know if it's, it really hasn't come all together quite yet, but definitely like an exciting dude. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched a ton. I don't want to say too much yet, but. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Definitely, definitely, you know, it's just definitely interesting class. Let's, let's soldier on here. I'm going to talk about, you know, NFC East, stay here. Let's go to the Giants. We're going to take Caleb Farley. Since you took Sertain uh, at the at the 10th pick, I'll take Farley at the, 11, at the 11th pick. I like Farley um, better than Sertain. Um, and that's just because I think, you know, I, I think with Farley, there's like a little bit to be worked out for sure, just with the instincts and technique. Um, but the, he's such a crazy athlete. like going, going from um, wide receiver, tearing your ACL and then just becoming one of the best cornerbacks like, it, it, and like in two years is just kind of ridiculous and I think that it's just all it's all right there with the right coaching and I think if you bring him in to a situation like the Giants have with Bradbury already there on the other side, you just kind of even I, I even like him at six to the Eagles. Mm. You know, with, with yeah. Slay already in place there. But I, but for purposes of, of, the, of the pairs, um, we'll put Farley, you know, out there offside. Uh, on the other side of Bradbury, I just think that's going to work out super, super well. And he's just, just a freak athlete. I just, and, and the other thing I loved about him is just so physical. Like, not, not at all afraid uh, to, to come up and, and play in the run game. Physical at the point of attack. Down the field, the long speed, everything, everything's just kind of there with Farley. I'm just a huge fan. Um, and then in the, in the second round, I, this has been an interesting player for me because guy I started out really high on, lost a little bit more and fell off a little bit, and now I've kind of just like come back to maybe the middle. Um, this is Jamin Davis, uh, linebacker from from Kentucky. He's like great in, in pass coverage, a, a lot of uh, pass deflections, picks, pick sixes. Which is just super attractive for me because I'm always looking for for linebackers. Like, maybe it shouldn't be this way, but just as a Lions fan who has watched just the horror show that has been their linebacker room for the past five years, like, if your linebackers can't cover, then it's just like game over from the start. So he's a plus in that category. He has the sideline to sideline range. Definitely, though, like, lacking in that thumper and just, I don't know. He's really hesitant sometimes. If, uh, the, the Georgia game, if you watch the Georgia game, there's just so many instances where it's clearly a run play. He's even moving backwards. There was one play where, like, this safety had come up to to fill in the run game, and the safety was at the same – Jamin Davis for two seconds just stayed in the same spot. And by the time Jamin Davis started going forward, the safety was already there. So I just think there's, there's some hesitancy in, in the run game and just in play recognition. But with – just in the same sense that I like that Farley would be with Bradbury. I think pairing Jamin Davis with the Blake Martinez in the thumper that he is already there, um, in, in the middle of the field for the giants, I don't think you're going to have, like, I just feel like if you bring in Jamin Davis and you're like, this guy is Darius Leonard, like off the bat, like this is not going to work out for you. So I think pairing him with a guy like Blake Martinez who already just like eats nails and it, it will play that role for you. And then you can kind of just coach Jamin, uh, into it because it's not necessarily a physicality issue. I just think he's maybe doesn't trust what he sees mm. very much and just need to improve on that footwork. So we're going to get Farley, uh, up at the top, and then we're going to bring in uh Jamin Davis just to keep improving this defense.
1: Yeah. I need to watch a little bit more on Davis. Um, side, side note, have you, have you watched any Jabril Cox? Do you have any thoughts on him? Well, I,
0: I've watched a little bit, um, I what I've kind of heard is that there's major injury concerns there. Really? So because didn't he? What I heard is he tore his ACL at Alabama. He was at I think. Oh right?
1: no, you might be thinking of Dylan Moses.
0: Oh. Dylan Moses okay. was like never a, mind
1: the eighth grader who we've been hearing yep. about him for like yeah. Okay Debril, then
0: that never mind. Drew Bill Cox is the guy from LSU, right? Yes, who went to okay. North
1: Dakota State. Um, he was at North yeah, Dakota I, State before. I, Okay, I have
0: not watched a ton of Drew Cox.
1: I think if you, I mean, he just stuck out to me just um, in terms of coverage linebackers. Like, he he almost is, I mean, he's slight, I want to say. I got his weight down here. I mean, he's 6'4", 231, and really almost... That's bigger than Davis is.
0: Davis is in the 220s.
1: Oh, really? Well, I mean, Cox almost looks like a safety pretty much, but I think has all the coverage upside in the world. But really, when it comes to, uh, he's a guy that I was thinking about for the Lions in round two, but can really get caught in the muck in the run game and everything like that and is not a, an overly physical player, which can be a little frustrating, but is a guy who I think could potentially erase tight ends at the next level, just has had some really uh, impressive coverage tape. Um, I'm going to go on to the Raiders here, and I'm going off uh, a mock that I did before free agency, so I'm going to address the edge position, and I know they did that with Dante Fowler, but um, and that happens in the second round. I'm a little all over the place. But let's start at 17. I got them taking Jeremiah Uso-Kamora. Um, I think this is a nice fit for the Raiders. I know they signed Littleton and Kwiatkowski last year. But Uso-Kamora, I think, just has so much versatility. Um, he can play as a linebacker. He can, you can match up on tight ends. He can play free safety, probably, if you want. He can play strong safety. I just think he has so many. I think he can play probably five positions um, on the defense, uh, has really good coverage upside. Really, you know, tough, smart, and sensual player, and just has is a complete physical freak. Um, he's my LB one. Um, I know Parsons is off your board, Klep, due to character concerns, but I think when you talk about true off-ball linebackers who offer a full, you know, three-down skill set, I think Owusu Kimura edges out Parsons um, a little bit, and he's kind of in that Isaiah Simmons-esque, uh, you know, mold from last year. I think he might be in a little bit more physical than Isaiah Simmons, and um, could play in the box a little bit more successfully. You talk about so. Micah? Uh, no, uh, Uso Koromora.
0: Okay. I mean, they're, they're wildly me different builds.
1: Uh, Simmons and him? Yeah. I just thought, I just kind of like, he just reminded me of him. Just like the way that Notre Dame used him and him like matching mm-hmm. up on receivers or him. I just think it's more of like from that um, versatility standpoint. Um, I mean, yeah, is, I think uh,
0: I think that's fair. You're, you're definitely like hitting a point where, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the Lions and just like wishing they could have taken Simmons because he's kind of that person who eliminates. You know, when you talk about a guy like you know, say like a Kyle Pitts that's coming into this year, like if there's a yeah. guy on the other team that just has one of those mismatch players on offense, I think that Isaiah Simmons is a mismatch player on defense just because of his his raw ability. The only thing I would say is, I mean, Simmons. Part of the reason, I mean, he was like six four, like two, like forty. I mean, he was a huge dude. Where um, Ousama is, I think he's like six foot, like two twenty. Like he's he's much much smaller uh, player. So that's kind of where I would push. That. You're you're right in the sense yeah. where it's like I think when you're talking about a pass heavy NFL, like this is a dude that you want on your team. Like I'm a big fan of his um you know I love his. I mean I think I think you could even make an argument that maybe he's more physical than than Simmons was just in terms totally. of the types of hits and how sudden he is and he's just all over the place like when I watch him he's just like clearly the fastest dude on the field right yeah. which I didn't always get that with, with Simmons but um yeah Simmons is much more of a, of a physical freak though than than Corma is
1: yeah I guess that's what I was trying to say like the and, it's, and I, I forgot that Simmons was 240, but I think so much of what, you know, Simmons obviously had a great second half of the year, but he really looked, and I know there's a learning curve, but he also had issues with just, like, playing through the, the run game and the physicality mm-hmm. of the NFL and getting hit at the next level um, by guards and everything like that. Um, and then you mentioned this guy earlier, Klepp. Uh, he just screams a raider to me, and that's Joseph Asai. I have them taking him in the second round. Um, I know they signed Dante Fowler, but I think you can never have enough good pass rushers. And, you know, like Max Crosby has been really good and a nice surprise, but he's your best pass rusher. Fowler has been inconsistent his whole career. I think Osai just screams a Mayock dude to me. Um, All-out all effort player, just smart football player, might not have the same upside as a lot of the other edge rushers in this class. I think you talked about the edge rushing class. Uh, a lot of just freaks, like the J- Jason Oway from Penn State who – supposedly is going to run four three. he's going to Quidy pay, right? Quidy pay exactly. I mean, these
0: are like dudes that are crazy, but it's just like Freak. no one, I don't know. I don't know if anybody quite has like the pedigree that o- Osai has. It's just Completely. it's going to be it's good. He's like, you know, how I was talking about before this, like who are the guys that are going to be there in like the second round that I'm like, "Oh man, that's like like if Osai was there when the Raiders were picking yeah. in the second round, I would be like all over that because I just think he brings a lot to the table that Maybe some of the other guys r- really don't. It's just I need to do more work on this edge class. It's just I think Same it's just going to be interesting to see, like, who who goes where. I mean, there's tons of – I mean, Aziz Jalari from Georgia yeah. is a guy I've been hearing a ton about. Some people have him as their number one. You know, some people have Quidi Pay as their number one. Some people have even, even like, the Joe, Joe Tryons of the world from Washington yeah. who didn't even play at all. Because that's going to be the other thing too. It's like Tryon didn't even play in twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, but it's exactly. like
0: he was also in the Pac twelve, which was such a disaster in terms of like whether or not they were going to play. That I'm not necessarily holding it against him, but it's just it's just all going to be uh, a super super interesting to follow. Um, but I, I think those are definitely two two good picks for for Mayock, I guess, if he sticks in and, and makes them.
1: Yeah, I, and and you know just to harp on the Raiders even more. I mean, they're in a position now where they're pro- they're, they looks like they're going to you know. I wouldn't be shocked if they took a lineman at seventeen. Now, like they just completely have a need on their yeah. offensive line now, so it's kind of hard for to pick defensive players that they, you know, they really need. The defense was a complete was awful last year. So, but I think that's kind of where I would be looking. Um, if I'm the Raiders, I definitely would attack defense.
0: So, uh, my my final prospect pairing. This is going to be for the Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. Um, and in in the fir- the last pick of the first round, we're going to take Davion Nixon. Ooh. A little bit, might be a little bit of a reach, but I think, like I was talking about with getting a gap shooter like him, when you already have a dude like Vita Vea, um, you know, kind of taking up space in the middle, I just think that would be an awesome, uh, awesome addition uh, to this defensive line, which, you know, you have Vea and you have Shaquille Barrett, but you're getting older there with guys like William Golston, you know, Jason Pierre Paul, and Dominican Sue, who I'm not even sure has been, you know, he was a free agent hasn't necessarily been brought back yet. Still might, but I think you could use uh, an influx of of youth uh, along that defensive line. And, you know, after last year, kind of adding to to that secondary with with Antoine Winfield, adding to the offensive line with Tristan Wirfs, I think coming in and adding to that D-line once again with a guy like Davion Nixon, who I I just, I like his game a a ton. Just a dude who kind of lives in the backfield. Super athletic. You know, is he going to be a dude who's two gapping and and kind of taking up, you know, more than one or like beating double teams, like I'm not really sure, but if you put him with a guy like Vea in the middle, I just think the the kind of the possibilities are are limitless there for for his success and you know, I think you could just terrorize interior offensive lines with with a combo like that and we're going to just stick in the trenches, you know, and not I would never claim to be an offensive line guru or anything, but let's add Creed Humphrey interior mm. offensive lineman from Oklahoma just at the end of the second round, just bring in a little more uh, youth to that interior offensive line that has Ryan Jensen and, you know, Ali Marpet, but he, you know, Alex Kappa wasn't bad, but just, you know, let's bring in a little yeah. more as, as these guys, you know, kind of get up there. So.
1: Yeah. I, I like those clap. Um, I definitely, I, I haven't really been thinking of interior defensive linemen for the bucks, but I think your logic is, is pretty sound there. Um, and then you know Creed Humphrey obviously has played center his whole career, but I you know I just think you, it's never a bad just idea to push him over to guard. Him. Yeah, move him to guard. Why not?
0: And then you Why know not? Jensen's not exactly young. You know.
1: No, 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 no. Wants not to retire? All. Just
0: let's you know let's, let's think ahead here.
1: Yeah, uh, I think the Bucks are super interesting, man. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of putting them in that Chiefs camp where they're going to take a running back at thirty-two, which you know I think is they're a team who kind of can take that luxury if they can, like the Chiefs could, but. Now we see the Chiefs a year later, and um, you know we all love Clyde. I love Clyde too. But w- was it smart for the Chiefs to take a running back, even if they took, you know, a young Adrian Peterson? You know, I think obviously maybe that makes it a little bit more worth it. But this is a team that has some depth issues. You know, obviously it looks like they're locked into taking a tackle at 31. Could use a secondary receiver. Um, could use some depth on defense. So I think the, the Bucks are in a really interesting spot. I would probably lean offensive line. You know, definitely in the trenches for them. O line. D line on the first and second. Uh, and I think a nice fit for them, if you are going to go running back on the second or even the third, would be a guy like Michael Carter from North Carolina or Kenneth Gainwell. Because I do think both, you know, I'm not assuming Fournette's going to be back, but Rojo has really struggled uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, and if Tampa doesn't go out and you get a guy like James White, which I think is a natural fit, being the, you know, with the familiarity with Brady, they definitely could use a, you know, a threat out of the backfield. But they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn last year, too. So, um you know they definitely you know uh, it, it's a need there so it's just a matter of is Vaughn going to step up and fill that role or are they going to do it in some other uh some other manner so I like the only uh, the only other
0: thing I'll say too for you know I, I think maybe potentially going at a tackle at 32 is extremely possible for the Bucks yep. too Donovan Donovan Smith I think is up after this year um yep. and I think there's going to be a lot of guys just, like, right on the edge of that first round. You know, Tevin Jenkins is a guy who keeps getting a ton of hype. Yeah, um, I, was, I was about you know, to bring him up. Sam, Sam Cosme is a dude who I like. I think Sam Cosme could do well, you know, going into a situation where it's like, hey, like, you don't have to start this year, um, but you'll start yeah. next year when we get rid of Smith. Put some more weight on him and just have him plug in at left tackle in 2022. Um, yep. You know, even guys like, you know, Liam Eikenberg, who aren't necessarily – yeah you know, the athlete that Cosme is but but just kind of another you know, just Notre Dame dude who you think will yep. come in and, and get the job done I I'd agree I, yeah i just i just think the the bucks are in a great position to just continue to add um, you know to their trenches
1: It's a great tackle class man I mean it's a it's a really good tackle class it's a good old line class I would even throw Alex Leatherwood in there who might not be a left tackle but I think projects to guard and has played right tackle really, um, or maybe he did play left tackle because they had Wills on the right side for Tua. Uh, I think and he, I think he was a. Uh, I don't know if he projects to a tackle necessarily, but he's a guy who I'm really interested in because just as looks like he'd be a natural fit at guard and also has you know prototypical almost tackle size at six five. But um, yeah, I, I think like it's really a, good tackle. I like James
0: Hudson from Cincy.
1: Yeah, a little a little, a little small, but in. nice
0: little athletic, good feet, nice little feet. Yeah, I watch, I I watched the Georgia game with, uh, he got ejected from that one, but I don't know, I I was just it was interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, That's what I like to hear. Um, I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna do the Packers. We I I, I harped on the Packers, um, next year, but don't worry, Green Bay fans, don't worry, uh, Kenosha man, because Uncle Tommy's coming in right now, and I'm gonna help you out. Uh, you just mentioned Tevin Jenkins, Klepp. I guess now it looks like he probably will not be available at 29, but if he is, I think this is a great fit for Green Bay. Um, they could use a corner, but I, me personally, when I'm doing my mocks, I think Greg Newsome is gone by that point, and I definitely think Asante Samuel and J.C. Horn are as well. I just think the depth of corner, maybe I just need to do a little bit more. You think Asante Samuel is gone by then? I, I would take him. Ooh. I love Asante Samuel, man. I know he doesn't have the size, dude, but his instincts yeah. and... I'd be I mean, surprised if
0: he, just because of the, I don't know. I mean, it's a strong it's a strong quarterback, quarterback class for sure. I just think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Iffy Melfandu went ahead of him.
1: Yeah, I just mean. Just because
0: you, of, of how, you know. Projectable. He showed out at his pro day. Asante Samuel may have to be a nickel. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I don't disagree with you that I, I like his game a lot. I'm just, there's a it's, lot of. Kind of big dudes in this corner class, and I think totally. it may push a guy like him down where He might be a great value in the second round, or I mean, it might yeah. even drop to the third. So,
1: well, hey, man, if if he's not gone in the first round or in the back part of the first round, I mean, I think you know a team like Buffalo or something. like I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of natural fits. Um, but let's let's pretend that the bulk of the corners are gone and Tevin Jenkins has fallen. There's a natural fit at right tackle that needs to be filled with uh, Green Bay from the little tape that I've watched on Tevin Jenkins. He's just a mean people mover. Just a just a mean dude, kind of like a Cody F150 Ford. Um, looks like the nicest little kid. Just looks like a little little cute kid with his glasses on. But he is he is mean on the field, man. And I think it's just probably a plug and play ten year potential pro ball just filling at, at right tackle. And then you'd have Bakhtiari and Tevin Jenkins with you know Elton Jenkins on the inside. Like that's a really nice offensive line for Green Bay. Um, and then th- this is really interesting because. Throughout the year, it's like, oh, Green Bay needs a receiver. And, you know, I, I thought about adding one for them in, in round one. And if a guy like Rondell Moore, I will say if Rondell Moore is on the board, I'm running up to make that pick. Um, I think Rondell Moore is a super interesting – You're saying board. in the second round or in the first round? In the first round. This is okay. I'm going to stay in the first round. We we talked about corner. But if a guy like Rondell Moore is there, um, he – I comped him. I got uh, – where's my comp for Rondell Moore? Percy Harvin, Percy Harvin slash Steve Smith Senior. That's what that's what I think Rondale Moore brings to the, brings that's the a, table. That's a wild comp. It's a wild comp, man. You should see my side note. Kadarius Tony comp, Cole Beasley and Lamar Jackson love child. That's my that's my that's my Kadarius Tony uh, comp. But sticking with uh, with the receiver position at the Packers, it's a, it's a clear need. You don't need to swing for the fences. A guy like Rondell Moore with Devontae Adams, I think that would be unbelievable for Aaron Rodgers. The only knock on Rondell Moore is um, just the limited route tree he ran at Purdue. Like, it was a joke. They literally just... He just was an offensive weapon, and he didn't really have to run routes. It was just all slants, pretty much, and attacking the middle of the field and just get the ball in his hands. But he has all the athleticism and the will, just super... Just like seems like a captain, just a, a real football player, just has all the intangibles that you'd want. And on top of that, just his tape is just some of the best tape you'll ever watch in your life, man. He's just so fun to watch, just a complete game uh, game record. We'll we'll get into the receivers more a little bit, but staying in the second round, I'm going to go for some deep cuts here, and I'm going to bring out uh, a guy that I really enjoyed watching, and that's Tylen Wallace going to uh, Green Bay at the end of the second round from Oklahoma State. Um, He's a guy who can play on the play outside, he can play in the slot if you want to, but played outside his whole career at Oklahoma State, incredibly productive. Uh, can jump out the gym, and incredibly explosive too. Um, I think he's a guy that's really getting lost in the muck. I remember last year hearing about him because um, he was a guy that a lot of people were high on, but went back to Oklahoma State, um, and uh, and you know had a really good year. I com- uh I compared him to Golden Tate, so he's a, a Golden Tate type player that I-, I really good after the catch, good athleticism. Um, so if,
0: sorry, if you don't mind me stop. like who who is your number one pick? I mean, you talked offensive line, you've talked. Tevin Jenkins. Sorry.
1: Excuse me. Excuse okay. me. Tevin, Tevin Jenkins at twenty nine. Tevin okay. Jenkins at twenty nine. <laughs> Solidify the offensive line. All right. Give you a guy we saw. And then with, and then Tylen
0: you know, Wallace is your second round pick.
1: And then Tylen Wallace at sixty one. Okay. 61. okay. And then Tylen Wallace is just right. going to step in from day one and be a productive number two receiver. And I think he has the potential to be a number one. But I just think he's an incredibly high four player, and he's one of the rare cases where you have a high four player who does a lot of good things a lot of the little things well who also i think has you know supreme athleticism i would be shocked if he ran over like a 4-4 i think he's definitely in that 4-4 4-3 speed um and you know has a really impressive vertical can high point the high point the ball despite being where's he at he's six foot 190 but you know has produced his whole career i mean for, for first year 2018 1500 yards 2019 903 last year 922 so He's a guy who's been productive his whole career, um, and I think is going to have a really nice NFL career.
0: So that does it for for prospect pairs. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, so let's—I mean, let's let's—I guess stick kind of with the wide receiver um, discussion since you you watch some of these guys. You um, I think I'm going to have to kind of keep you on a leash here. You're all over yeah. the place. Keep these receivers. Keep on the no, leash, man. I'm a little. Uh, over let me. The place, I mean, let sorry. me start off with a, with a, just I guess a first question. So. Yeah. I think something, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn here or anything, but I am. I yep. Going into the free agency conversation, I kind of posed the question to you and only when we talked about the question marks at quarterback, I was like, hey, is this going to affect the receiver market in free agency? And I think it kind of has. You haven't seen, I mean, Galladay got paid, which was, was good for him. But other than that, you haven't really seen you know, guys like Will Fuller getting one-year deals. Juju took a one-year deal. The market for these receivers in free agency wasn't exactly robust do you think maybe i think overall the league not saying that you're saying this but the league overall is saying jamar chase davante smith jalen waddle are kind of the for sure round one receivers and then beyond that it kind of gets muddy as to you know where these guys end up getting ranked do you think maybe there's kind of just in the same way that was, you know, free agency was kinda of quiet for receivers, that it might be quiet again after those maybe first three dudes are, are off the board.
1: You're saying in terms of the first round? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. I would be very surprised if Rashad Bateman doesn't go in the first round. I would include him in the locks for the first round. And I think Rondale Moore for sure should be in the first round, but he does have medical concerns. Um and I don't even That's the only thing that I would hold against Rondell Moore. Um, It's kind of like LaVisca last year. I think, you know, when we talked about LaVisca last year, we just talked about how much we loved him, but there was some medical concerns, and he's he's a first-round talent, but, you know, is he going to be able to stay healthy? Um, And I just think, you know, getting a player like Rondell Moore is just... Him with the ball in his hands after the catch is just... Those are the type of players that the NFL wants. Those are the type of dynamic playmakers... You know, you see a guy like Tyreek Hill when he gets the ball in his hands, and I think Rondell Moore is—he's in that—in that you know, vein of just like pure dynamic, just juice. Just he has all the juice in the world, um, and and that's why you know I have him as a firm round one grade. But we'll we'll see how the NFL feels about him. And then you have other guys. You get into this whole next level, really, Clep, that you kind of alluded to. You have the Kadarius Tonys of the world who. I think it's primarily like a playmaker slot dude, but then if you, how much more do you like Kadarius Tony than a guy like Jalen Darden or even Tutu Atwell, who I'm not very high on, but I saw on the NFL, you know, NFL Network, I don't know if that's a DJ, Bucky, all of their like cumulative rankings, but they have Tutu Atwell like number 44 on their top 50, which is something that really surprised me. I view him as a, a pretty solid as a day three um, player and you have just a bunch of other, you know, dudes who are kind of projectable. Terrence Marshall, I think is a really nice, is an interesting case because he's at LSU. He has that LSU pedigree, I think has all the tools in the world, but, um, I, I view him kind of as, as a number two guy, kind of like a DJ Chark coming out. He kind of reminded me of that, you know, Devonte Parker, that's who I put him down as, uh, my comp for him. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting guys. I think there's a lot of number twos, um, but to be fair, like last year, I said the same thing about Justin Jefferson. Like I didn't think that Justin—I mean, I know we all didn't think Justin Jefferson was going to blow up like he did. But I had some concerns about Justin Jefferson being like a number one. I knew he was going to be a, a really good slot at the very least. And same with Brandon Ayuk. Um, and Ayuk may be a little bit different of a situation because he's he's in a great scenario and in San Francisco. But I do think Klopp, you make a great point with the free agent market with receivers and how it's affecting. How these guys, you know, view the draft? I think this is going to be another strong receiver class, and if only four receivers go in the first round, I would bet that—that that means a lot are going to be going on, surely on day two. Um, I think all the guys that I've studied so far, I would be pretty surprised, with the exception of Tutu Atwell, I wouldn't take him on day two. But all these guys—Elijah Moore, Tylen Wallace, Kadarius Tony—Elijah Moore deserves to be brought up in that kind of slot playmaker role as well. So,
0: who—who, who, I guess. If you could give me, like, you know, of the guys that you watched, like, who would you say is your favorite, like, guy that you have a round one grade on? Favorite guy that you think is, like, a nice little day two pick? And I don't know how deep you've gone, but maybe just a, a sleeper for, for round three. It doesn't maybe have to be someone you, you watch a ton of, but just kind of as a day three guy who you think could make a big impact.
1: I mean, I still need to go deeper. I will I can come back to you on the day three. Right now it would be Jalen Darden because that's the, like, only kind of deep sleeper that I've watched. But I think... He is in that Kadarius Tony kind of, in terms of pure playmakerslash gadget players, like I think he, you know, offers a lot. I think he, he's just, he's a player who's incredibly sudden, has great change of direction, um, and it just has all the tools to be a pure, you know, playmaker in the NFL, which is, I think, where a lot of guys are going. Um, my favorite round one prospect, I mean, it's really hard for me. Um, I, it's hard for me to not fall in love with Jalen Waddell. Um, like he he's the closest thing to Tyree Hill I've I've ever seen. Like I my comp for him was middle class Tyree Kill just because I didn't want to compare him to Tyree Kill because I think that's kind of blasphemous. But in terms of what he can do athletically, and he is a very similar athlete to Tyree Hill, just probably he's gonna run four three. You know, I know him and rugs were neck and neck in terms of speed, but the difference between Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle is Jalen Waddell just has like Juice and can jump and is has the build to be a complete receiver and is a guy that you want with the ball in his hands after the catch. Where Rugs is a little bit more of a pure, pure deep threat. But for me, I guess it would have to be Jamar Chase just because I think he's the safest one. Um, I comp Jamar Chase to AJ Brown. I think that's like, it's funny, Clep, because you and I were big on AJ Brown coming out back in 2019, and we kind of saw him as like a really good two. That's a kind of a thing that I feel like we do is like, oh, I don't know if this guy's a one, but. He's going to be a great kind of like. I remember comparing him to like Juju and Jarvis Landry. And AJ Brown has, you know, been a complete alpha uh, on the outside and is a dude who wins at the catch, is incredibly physical. And that's what really stuck out to me about Jamar Chase is like no college corner could press him. Like if you put your hands on him, he he's just going to out physical you. And then on top of that, he's a guy who runs four or five, can jump out the gym, has incredible ball skills, and is a guy who's unbelievable after the catch. And I think that kind of is. You know how I would view AJ Brown, so I think Jamar Chase um, would be my favorite number one, but Jalen Waddle is a very close second, and then Devonte Smith might have the highest floor out of all of them. But I do think there's legitimate concerns. We were talking about it before we recorded Club with his weight. They're just it's so unprecedented that it it has to be mentioned the fact that he would be a complete you know aberration in terms of guys who are sub 175 and are going to be incredibly productive at the NFL level. But, and, and, you know, what is, um, Devontae Smith going to run? Not even that I put that much on it, you know, that much importance on how fast they're going to run, but I don't think he's a four, three or four, four guy. He's probably a four five guy, but he has great long speed and, you know, is, uh, runs really good routes. So, um, he's definitely still worth taking in the first round, but I just don't think he has the same upside as, uh, the two other guys. So. For me, it's chased by by hair in the first round. And then, sorry, for, for round two, I would probably go round with... Two round two and
0: three. A nice little day three. Round two and, and three, day just, just... Yeah.
1: I mean, little little day two rant. I mean, Elijah Moore, I like a lot. Um, I comped Elijah Moore to Jameson Crowder. I think, like, I, I see a lot of Jameson Crowder in his game, especially early Jameson Crowder, who used to do a lot of, like, the sweeps and, you know, just be... I mean, they played Elijah Moore at running back a little bit on, at Ole Miss. I don't know if you were... Sonny of that that tape clep but just a guy who you'd love uh, yeah it's a South Carolina tape um, just a dynamic ball ball uh, carrier and, and really performed well against J.C. Horn which I like to see on that South Carolina tape um, they kind of had a very even matchup where they where they each got each other and I think it needs to be mentioned my guy Amon Ross St. Brown from USC who Hasn't really developed. Was a five-star. Was a top ten player in the country coming out of Modern Day with JT Daniels. Hasn't really developed past that. But another guy, how I talked about Tylen Wallace with Green Bay, who I just think is going to come in, going to be a number two receiver from day one. Um, Isn't isn't you know probably runs four or five um, and doesn't really might not have the same upside as a lot of these other guys, but can come in just can run all the routes, can play slot, can play on the outside, physical. you know, just a, a really good football player. And I think, you know, the only knock on him is he really hasn't – he hasn't just – I mean, his freshman year, I think, was his best year. Um, or never mind, sorry. His sophomore year was with uh, Michael Pittman last year on the outside. He played slot and really just was a go-to guy all around. But I really like Amon Ross, St. Brown's game, and, and Tylen Wallace. So those would be my two kind of guys I'm looking at on day two.
0: Did you watch um, any – or have you, I guess, in the past, watched any Nico Collins?
1: I mean, being a Michigan, a kind of Michigan fan, I remember him. Like, um, I haven't really done a deep dive in on him, but like, Ronnie Bell was my favorite receiver. I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones, I like better than Nico Collins last year. Nico Collins didn't play this year, did he? I know he didn't play for no, Michigan. No, he 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 opted out. Yeah, he opted out. I mean, he's he's a big kid. He's a big kid who has a lot of measurables, but. I liked Donovan Peoples-Jones and Ronnie Bell a lot more than, than Nico Collins. And, you know, me, Clap, I it's hard for me to really get in and fall in love with the big receivers, man. Um, I think Nico Collins is like 6'4", 220. Like He has all of the measurables, um, and I think he's a good athlete, but just not a guy who really dominated um, for his size. So I d- probably do need to do a little bit deeper dive on Nico Collins, but not a guy that is really... A dude that I think I'm going to be too too keen on. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, Kadarius. I mean, it wor- it's it's worth mentioning that Kadarius Tony is an absolute freak. <laughs> it's worth mentioning that Kadarius Tony, when he has the ball in his hands, um, just his change of direction, his jukes. Like I've just never seen anyone anyone like that. That's why he reminded me of Lamar. Like when he's running with the ball in his hands, it's just like he's he's slight and small. Um, he's at six foot one ninety three, but yet he has really great contact balance and just is a complete like playmaker. He, he reminds me of Lamar Jackson with the ball in his hands. It's just, it's crazy. He's like a human joystick. So I think he's really interesting. Um, this might be a bit of a luxury pick, but I think a team like the Saints who kind of need a secondary receiver with Emmanuel Sanders coming out at the end of the first round Sean Payton being the creative guy that he is. I think Kadarius Tony could be a really nice fit um, in New Orleans at the end of the first round. But again, it goes down to that conversation of there's a lot of there's a lot of players in that ilk, a lot of playmakers in this receiver class. So it just depends on are you willing to take that risk in the first round or maybe take a, a little bit less of a player in the uh, on day two.
0: So uh, I guess as we wrap up the pod here, you weren't a, a huge De'Ami Brown guy. I'm a big yeah. dynamic, Brown guy. Um, wh- what did you see it with my boy's game that you are uh, disrespecting?
1: I love his game. I just, I have doubts of it translating to the NFL in the same way that it did at college with his speed. You're right; he does have good long speed, but he's not a four-three, four-four guy, and he was I think primarily i i don't know he did, maybe he if he if i that's why i'm very interested because i did look it up when i did do my uh my dmi sorry uh his his tape i'm very i'm looking forward to that pro day at the end of march i think it's march 29th or march 30th, 1st it's in north carolina it's april 1st april 1st is it april, april 1st? 1st yeah we're, we're we're getting there man we're 10 days out um I if he runs if he runs four 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 three club I will. I don't I will think, push I think him he's I
0: think he's very solid four four.
1: You could be right. Like and, I think and, he's
0: very. I would be surprised if he if he was less than that. Yeah. Or, or he, I mean more than if I, if he if he ran a four five I would be disappointed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if he ran I, a four five, that'd be you know definitely like a red flag in a sense because he definitely was primarily a, a deep threat threat at, at North Carolina. Yeah. I think. Personally, I think he can add a lot not to, you know, cut you off before you get into your your little breakdown, I guess, but I think, you know, in the same I think with a lot of these receivers you can say their route tree isn't super developed. Um, and I think that's the case with Brown for sure, in a sense, you know, he gets a lot of goes, a lot of hitches, a lot of slants, a lot of deep crossers. But he runs those routes, I think, with a lot of nuance, which makes me feel like I, I think he's just an incredibly smart football player. Um, Go back, watch that twenty nineteen Clemson, you know, when he beats AJ Terrell, he gets in his blind spot, kind of chops his feet to, to see if, like he's breaking off, and then, you know, flies deep. So I, I think, you know, I, personally I like that a lot of his, you know, deep balls isn't necessarily just, you know, like rugs for Pure three speed. Right. Know. It's it's it is, you know, footwork and, and, and nuance and stuff that's that's helping him get open, which makes me think that, hey, if he's asked to do more, I think he he can. Um, you know, he I love just physical football players. And I think that's what De'Ami Brown is. Um, You know, and and if he runs a four five, I'm still going to like him a lot, you know, I'm not going to like be that guy who's all about the 40. Like, I just think his play speed is really good. Like, it's not like he's, you know, like a Jalen Darden at North Texas where it's like, Oh, you know, I would, I would be concerned. I think the level of competition, you know, is there with, with him. Um, You know, I think, I think, you know, right. You know, speed is more long than fast. Is he going to be, you know, open immediately. No, he only averages about four and a half catches per game. So he's maybe not a, a big possession guy, right? But I don't know. You, you, what what yeah. else kind of did you see?
1: Well, I kind of want to I, I kinda wanna, uh, play devil's advocate here a little bit because I would be, I would even if he runs a four or five, I would 100% take him on like in the third round. Like I just, this is more just like, I don't think he's a first, I know, I know a lot of people aren't saying he's a first round prospect, but he seems to be kind of in that second round camp. A lot. Of, I like him at the first? end of one, baby. Come on now. All right. Well, hey, 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 hey. I won't, cause Clef. Everything you said is is completely true. I love so much of the stuff about his game. He can make plays at the catch point. Um, a lot. Yeah. A lot of people knock his route tree, but I there's no reason why uh, he can't expand his route tree. I think like based on his athletic profile, you talked about the nuance, the way that he wins, um, like that stuff is all good. And if he comes out and runs a four 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 three. And I think 100, percent he should be in that um, end of round one, round two uh, discussion. But uh, the, supposedly the word is on him that he's more of a four or five guy. Um, we'll see if that that seems to be the case. Um, I think he's I think he's going to be a really good number three, number two receiver in the in the NFL. Um, I brought it up. The how do you say what's Melon Fonu's first name from Syracuse? Ify. Is it e- Iffy? Yeah,
0: well, that's a Nick. it's Ifatu. It- Ifatu, Ify. yeah,
1: Obi's younger brother. Um, he gave him some trouble in that Q's game, just kind of pressing him off the line. Had, had some issues with like the the strength of Mellon Flannou, which made me a little bit sketchy on you know him fighting off press at the next level. But that, that seems to be the case with a lot of these receivers. Like uh, physical corners can kind of give them give them all heck. But I think DeAndre Brown's you know productive. You mentioned club, he's got good size, um, wins in a multiple uh, you know a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. That, I mean that UVA game's awesome, man. Eleven catches, two hundred and forty yards, three touchdowns. Um, he, he kept he,
0: he single handedly kept them in that game.
1: Yeah, he did. He did. Um, um, hard not to just fall in love with Javante Williams and Michael Carter though when you're watching that UNC tape, baby.
0: <laughs> they had a lot of. T- I mean, this is something too. I mean, Sam Howell is a guy who's who's highly who's you know highly touted, got a lot of hype. Definitely uh, excited to see. You know, can he? He's losing a lot of people right so it's like yep. going into going into next year you know one of the top quarterbacks is it going to be a situation where you know he he regresses a little bit
1: yeah no that's that's very interesting Adam um, Dolan certainly doesn't think he is Dolan loves him some Sam Howell man Dolan loves <laughs> everyone Dolan loves everyone Dolan, Dolan likes <laughs> a lot of people yeah man definitely great receiver class if you're outside class, the Big Ten yeah.
0: non-Michigan State team no, uh, I think Dol- Dolan will be all over you
1: Dolan's going to be all over you yeah yeah, there's um, I de- I need to get deeper into the receivers. There's some other guys I want to watch: Seth Williams from Auburn. Um, I hear some good things about. Uh, I need to watch your boy Amari Rogers a little bit. I think Demetric Felton from UCLA is a really interesting one because he kind of is getting the, he's getting those Antonio Gibson vibes from last year where he, he played receiver at the Senior Bowl but was a running back at at UCLA. Seems to have a lot of um, versatility to him. So I think, uh, you know. There's a lot of interesting, interesting kind of late round guys. This guy, I don't know if you know, Cade Johnson from South Dakota State, but he's a dude who, at least you know, on in, under the PFF rubric, mm-hmm. has graded incredibly well to them and like has good tape. But again, he's playing at South Dakota State and just is naturally more gifted than all the guys that he's playing, and like it's hard to evaluate that type of uh, receiver. And then lastly, I should sh- uh, shout out a guy who I watched a little bit of, um, need to uh, do a little bit more deep dive on him, but is uh, Simi Feheko. Simi okay. Fehoko from Stanford, Feihoko? yeah, Simi Fehoko, who six uh, four two twenty seven. Um, I want to say it is pro day. He's everyone's giving him the DK. He's like getting the DK light um, comps now, just because of his athletic testing and his size. And what ga- I think it was at the UCLA game. There's one game that I watched of him where, I mean, there's not a lot there. He's not like a great route runner, but he's just as a pure athlete and has great size and um, can make uh, can make some plays. And then lastly, I know if Lee was here, he'd want me to bring it up. His boy, Donnie Corley, is finally making it to the NFL this year, is in the process. Um, former absolute freshman stud at Michigan State who got into some trouble off the field, found his way down to Texas Southern, and is now training for the NFL Draft. And, I mean, was one of the best players in college football. as a fre- I mean, he was Michigan State's best player on offense when he was a true freshman. Um, got into some, some very sketchy stuff happened on Michigan State. And... Um, He's 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 at, been at Texas Southern where he's been pretty uh, you know productive and he's a Detroit King guy I think he went to King High School yeah in uh, Detroit so six two one ninety um so there's some there's some deep sleepers in here
0: I'm trying to find um there was a, a wide receiver in the D two ranks that was getting tweeted about recently because he had a ridiculous workout um I'm trying to figure out who it was but I forgot his name. I'm going to give it one one shot here
1: for it. While well, you're saying it's, it's worth bringing up uh, Josh uh, amater Bibi from Illinois, who used to be at USC, was a highly-tied recruit, went to my Trojans, and uh, didn't really get a lot of playing time, so he went to USC and had one of the more insane workouts um, of the year. Um, I think he had a 45-inch vertical um, and is you know six two. Uh, 215 so a really impressive uh really impressive physical specimen
0: trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to find it here was uh, it jonathan adams or i don't know I, I i'll recognize the college i think not the you know, what about uh quinn Mayers working with my dad guy duke mannyweather guard
1: whitewater d3 um, oh mine hurts yeah <laughs> Mayers. yeah baby he's had yeah he oh, had the there? um the uh the smoothie right yeah, he he's he's the next iteration of the crazy Gatorade smoothie. I mean, that was, was it from last year. He, that
0: that was uh, Ben Barch.
1: Yeah, Ben Barch. But I, th- I thought Miner's had some like crazy weight gain smoothie that. Well, that, he, uh,
0: made... yeah, he had. Um, I think this might be. I don't know. Derek Young, Leonard Rhyme. I don't know. I can't remember. I'll try and but find it. Have, um, Quinn Maynard uh, at, at, works out in Canada, moving logs and stuff. So,
1: is he Canadian?
0: No, he he's his uncle has like a fly fishing operation up there, and he, he helps out in the summers.
1: Yeah, no, he seems to be a pretty impressive uh, guy. Who really, really uh, succeeded at the Senior Bowl, if I remember correctly, right?
0: Yep. got a um, got an invite because Landon Dickerson had uh, yep. the ACL issue.
1: Big ugly. Landon Dick, Dickerson's a big ugly.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to think of him. Like, at, at what point, like, do you not want your center being six foot six?
1: Yeah. Like, I think that's interesting. I mean, know, there's no. I mean, he dominated this year. He was he was incredibly yeah. dominant. Um, He's got
0: injury stuff too. I guess you can move him to guard, but that's just I mean. That's a huge. Like I mean, like I know if you're if you're a team like, you know, like the Cardinals, like you would never want to draft him.
1: Yeah, completely. No, that's like, that's a good point. Um, I guess maybe before we sign off. Clepp, if if Trey Lance isn't there at seven, who are you taking?
0: Is Justin Fields there?
1: No, no quarterback. No quarterback. No quarterback.
0: Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm right now. I'm leaning, you know, Slater or Sewell. O line. Yep. Um, Would you? Know, you... I, I, I really think they need to to shore up the right side of that offensive line. I mean, you have Decker at left tackle and and Ragnall at center are two. You know, above-average players for their position. Jonah Jackson showed well at uh, left guard uh, last year as a rookie, third-round pick from Ohio State. But you look at that right side. Tyrell Crosby is. I am so comfortable with Tyrell Crosby being my backup. You yeah. know, piece. Swing tackle kind that's, of. That's yeah. that's fine. I'm fine with him being my backup. He's not. My, I don't want him to be my starter. Logan Stenberg played seven snaps last year. He was a fourth-round guard pick out of Kentucky. All of them on special teams. So, and it's a Quinn pick, so I'm not putting anything in, into that. Um, Ode Abushi, who started most of the time at guard for them, is now with the Chargers. So, you know, talk about Chargers yeah. making little moves there. You know, he he was I not forgot a bad about player. So, well, I, mean, Clep, I was they, about
1: to say, I, for, I it might have been Brandon Thorne or one of the Twitter uh, well, offensive line experts said that Ode Abouche was like one of the most underrated offensive linemen in the NFL last year. I think he, was was, he was he was fine,
0: like he was totally yeah. fine, and I think they got him for two million dollars. Like, yeah, you know, I, I think it was like a one year deal. I wouldn't have really been opposed to being like, hey, here's three years for yeah. nine million, just to like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I um, you know, he, he maybe just stay under the radar, but um, he was like a totally fine player. Um, but I just think when you look at the right side of the offensive line, like Vitae, he'll be gone after next year because there's yep. no. After this year, if you cut him this year, it would be fourteen million dead cap, and you're just not going to do that. So yeah. I think ideally you draft a, a tackle, right? You put in Slater or Sewell, and they play right tackle. Um, and you know, that's where it gets iffy, right? Because it's like, oh, is Tevin Jenkins going to be there in round two? Is a Sam Cosme going to be there yeah. in round two? Liam Eikenberg. Um, I'm trying to think. There was another guy who was like kind of a – Raduns. Yeah, I mean, he's he's North Dakota State. Um, there was another dude who was like a right tackle, um, Jalen Mayfield yeah. from from Michigan. You know, it's like yeah. are these guys going to be there in round two. But I just think you need to. One of start, those
1: guys, I think for sure will be there. For, you know, the yeah. Ex- I concept. mean,
0: it, it just it's going to depend who they like. You know, I'm not I'm not a you know great evaluator of tackle play, but I just think when you look at that right side of the offensive line, I think. I, I you know I think you do tackle first and then you slide Vitai to right guard. Vitai cannot play right tackle for you. He's not he's yeah. not a good enough athlete. He's a very powerful dude. Fine, just put him at right at right guard. Develop a, a right tackle. You know, start a rookie there would be my you know opinion. Which is kind of why I like Cosme because he played right tackle when he started at Texas. You know he he needs to put a little weight on. He's not. He doesn't have the same like I've watched him and Jenkins. I've watched film on both of those guys. Jenkins is just much more nasty. Yeah. And 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 Cosme doesn't really have that to his game, which I I wish he did uh, a little more. I'm not sure if you can you know that's not necessarily something that's coachable, right? It might just kind of be yeah. a, a want-to thing. But I just think when you're looking at right guard and right tackle, I want I want new blood there. So uh, I'm, yeah, i like I'm 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 leaning offensive line there at, at seven, but. You're potentially looking at a situation where, you know, quarterbacks go one through six and Sewell and Slater are the other two that have gone, which I think would put the Lions yeah. in a little bit of a lurch uh, there at seven.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm of the opinion that I would be, I mean, I would think they would take a receiver. I think they would take Jamar or Jalen Waddle there. Yeah. Um, I think either way, I mean, you make you make a really good point. I mean, or do, do you just take off?
0: right? Who knows?
1: What's that? Sorry, we got a little break. Or do up there. you just
0: take off? you know?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. I think they're they're definitely. I mean, tackle probably is the deepest position in the draft. Yeah. At least like in the you know you can get into your James Hudsons and your your Dante Smiths. You know the deeper sleepers, but you mentioned a bunch of guys, Jalen Mayfield. There's a lot of projectable tackles of that dudes. a lot of guys like. Yeah. A lot of dudes um and there are some the other thing I would say too too, is like
0: I'm not always you know I don't I don't really know even what's the best judge of like what's can a guy play on the right side like a guy like Tevin Jenkins it's like he's played right tackle the whole time right so where it's like I would be like all over that if he was there I don't think he'll be there at 41 but it's like if you can get a dude who's like nasty like him and totally played right tackle like the whole time like that's that's kind of like the home run scenario um, and, and then I just like yeah. I'm not always I know Slater um, has played on the right side uh, he's a little bit undersized though uh, as well I like Slater a lot so yeah, I just yeah. think you know that would might be a good fit just to plug him in on that on that right side of the line but definitely a lot I would just lean offensive line just because you know no matter what happens going forward at quarterback you know that's just always you know you look at a guy like Taylor Decker like he's gonna you he sign long term he's gonna be through you know through the rebuild so
1: yeah, I think it's very interesting, and then obviously they need some help on defense too. So they're kind of in a uh, an interesting predicament about you know they need a receiver. Yeah, just the thing is, up. the
0: thing is, like I feel like the of when you talk about like value it would be a corner, and I I would be against them taking a corner uh, as much yeah. as I love, like I, dude, I, I couldn't tell you how much I wish that the lines had just taken Simmons last year and could take Farley at seven. Yeah, like I, yeah, that would totally. you know, but I just think. I think you'd be doing a disservice to your rebuild if you didn't at least see what you had in Owari and Okuda. <laughs> like I think they deserve a year of, of starting apart from each other because this is something I'm writing about in this in this article, right? For prospects, you know, at each position for the Lions. Like, if say Tracy Walker, Okuda, and Anamani o- like all play really well next year, like that kind of speeds up the defensive rebuild totally, like by a lot. Yeah. So, but then it also depends what, you know, Aaron Glenn is I mean, he's a defensive back guy. Maybe he wants, you know, just says, I don't like what I see from Okuda or Imani. Yeah. Like, just let's go get a guy like Farley who is, <clears throat> you know, that, that's the thing where it's like Okuda, right? Had all of the technique was all there coming out, like just the technician at the cornerback position. But he wasn't that elite athlete. And it's like, you could coach Farley into being that technician, then he already is, the, you know, the athleticism totally. is built into the package where no matter what Okuda does, he's, he's still, you know, not going to be that, that top-tier athlete at the corner position. So that kind of, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a long answer to your question, but I would lean offensive line if there's no if, – if Fields and, and, and Lance aren't there, and I texted Lee too, I would go as far to say as, like, I would immediately lose faith in Brad Holmes if Fields or Lance was there and he passed. Mm. Because That's I just think... I think... I just I think just that say, those think guys that have reinforce... so much promise. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, you're good, man. You're good. Well, it would just reinforce the, the fear that I think I had and I think we all kind of had of Jared Goff. The mm-hmm. scene Jared Goff is like, oh, I'm getting the former number one overall pick who's a franchise quarterback at a discount. Like, I got two first round yeah. picks to take a franchise quarterback, you know?
0: And just to me you know, no matter what you think, even, you know, I, I've, I've started, unfortunately your brother is is kind of bringing me over to this Zach Wilson fade city. Um, but I just think when you look at fields and Lance for me, like there's things about both of them that I think, you know, you wish they had, I guess that, that, that there's just a big risk going in that they may never develop fully and become a franchise quarterback. But I just remember going back to last year, kind of, Since the Lions weren't in the market for a QB, I just kind of accepted chalk for the quarterbacks, and I was like, I guess Tua's better than Herbert, right? And I watched Herbert and was just like, I don't—I just thought he was a little bit all over the place, which he was at Oregon, but then, objectively, last year, he was even better than Burrow was. So I think to a certain extent, obviously, you have to have a base level of belief in the player, but at a certain extent, if you're a team that doesn't have a quarterback, like, there's almost a risk to passing on these guys. Totally um so and then you factor in the fact that the Lions have two first round picks in twenty twenty three, where you know, you can take this year and next year and evaluate who you picked at seven. And then if it's not going too well, if it's not if we have a Travisky situation, a Rosen situation, you have the capital in twenty twenty three to make a make another move.
1: Yeah. So completely.
0: That's why I have I have that line of thinking. But I really, really just don't think, I think at this point, like just based off, like literally just based off of reading Twitter and looking at mocks, like I think the highest chance of being there is, is Fields.
1: Really? You think, you think there's a better chance that Fields is there at seven than Lance? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, as much as I've, uh, as much as Connor Ryan would like to make me out as this Justin Fields hater... I think, I mean, I think his his floor is kind of undeniable, um, especially with like the athleticism that he brings to the position. I think the only real issue with him is his processing at times, and you know, I think Dwayne Haskins has scared off at least you know a lot of people in in the evaluation uh, community just where he has such a good system around him and he has these unbelievable receivers. You know, Chris Olave is going to be a first round pick next year probably. Garrett Wilson is probably going to be like. They have, he has unbelievable talent around him. And we saw a guy like Haskins who had Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all all the receivers that, that he had. And I think it's, it's obviously a different situation. And, you know, the biggest knock on Fields is his inability to kind of get off his first read at certain points. But there is a certain, you know, point where he is he is a gamer, man. Like, he just makes, you know. Yeah, I
0: think one of the things that my favorite, one of my favorite things about Fields is, um, You know, I I need to watch the Northwestern game again, right? But something you you talk about when you're evaluating quarterbacks is, like, what do they do after things go poorly, right? And you're looking at a kid who played one of the, you know, probably the worst game of his career in the Big Ten Championship, and everyone's talking about it. And then not only do you get injured in the Clemson game, but you then play, like, the best game of your career. Totally. Right? Like, coming off of, you know, what was – you know, in, in you know, in the media everyone was trying to say this is a low point, he's not Trevor Lawrence, Clemson's like a you know, double digit favorite in that game, and you just come out and like you're the better player. Yep. Right? Like you're the better player in that game. And so that that's just like I, I just love his his mentality and, and everything about that. And I just think I think he honest I mean we'll see that I, I still think that the quarterbacks go before seven. I just yep. think Fields like if anyone's gonna have like a Watson type undervalue, it's like to me it seems like Fields right now because Lawrence is obviously for good reason pegged as the number one. I think there's just like a ridiculous amount of hype around Wilson. Yeah. And then I think that everyone is falling in love with Trey Lance's athletic profile and his in his big arm and rightfully so. Yeah. Right? But it's just like even though Fields isn't quite the athlete that, that Lance is, you know, I think some of that, you know, Ohio State quarterback thing is is you know making him fall a little bit. I don't know. I just don't it's, hear. I, I just don't hear a ton about Fields. I think yeah, he gets. Well, I think and, he gets. I think he gets overlooked or just like isn't talked about that much.
1: He one hundred percent gets overlooked. Um, and you know, I kind of I started to really get into Wilson. You know, in October, November, it was kind of as like a contrarian. And I mean, I and Wilson's talent is undeniable. But I would be. I mean, I think there's a, there is a higher chance that Wilson busts than Fields just because I think Fields at the very least is going to be able to like make plays on the move, keep an offense on track. I'd like to think for the most part and be like a Ryan Tannehill type player. You know, like I, I just think that, and you know, Wilson, I mean, you know, he does have some Bakerisms to him. He does have some, some Manziel-isms to him, not even from a character standpoint, but just his, his style of play. And obviously, you know, the 2019 tape was rough at times, but there's also, there's there's glimpses of, you know, what he how he all put it together this year. Um, and I think that you're these are all about it's all about projections. And I mean, clep and, and just to bring it back to the Lions too, just look out unless you draft a Haskins or a Rosen, or I guess a Trubisky, those are the only three guys that if I can remember in the in the first round, and I guess we'll see with Daniel Jones and Darnold, but even with Darnold, it's like you can still get a second round pick probably for Sam Darnold right now. Or at least that's what it seems, that seems to be the case. you got a guy like Carson Wentz who is coming off like one of the – he might have been the worst quarterback in the NFL last year and went for pretty much a first-round pick. So especially with these first-round picks, like when you draft a quarterback in the first round, yeah. there's just – the NFL overvalues first-round picks, so I think period, end of story. Like they're you know, there's some – look at a guy like Vic Beasley. How many chances Vic Beasley has gotten after – I mean, obviously he had that one great year, but – You know, Tack
0: McKinley is kind of on that same track.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like it buys you, it buys you a couple extra years in the league. So I think if the Lions were to miss on quarterback, whoever they take this year. That's why um, I
0: think it's like, if you're going to miss, like miss early, like, you know, you need to keep taking swings. Totally. So it's going to be interesting though. I don't, I mean, do you kind of agree with me that you don't think they will be, you know, even one of the four at seven?
1: No, I definitely don't. I mean, I've been, yeah, I feel like I've been pretty, I've been pretty sturdy on that. Me right now, I think do you whoever's think, available. Do you think Mar- you, Here's here's I guess
0: here's a better question to ask. Do you think the four quarterbacks? So we're gonna have a little Jordan, you know, Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris moment. Taking Let's go. the logic, yeah, that the that the four quarterbacks have gone before pick number seven. Do you think the four quarterbacks go to the six teams already in place, or somebody jumps ahead of the Lions into I've, one of those spots?
1: I would be shocked if they went to the six teams in place. I would be. So I would, would be say, shocked. So
0: then you would say if those six teams stay where they are and don't move, that one of the that one of the quarterbacks. Would yes, seven.
1: Yes, because there's no way that Cincinnati takes a quarterback. Um, Philadelphia could, but I I really believe that Philly's going to try Jalen Hurts out for a year. Um. I think, you, you know, whether it's a receiver, getting a guy like Caleb Farley, or even taking a tackle, I think they're going to be firmly in that camp. Um, but I just think Carolina and Denver, and Carolina and Denver, I think objectively, are, are in a position where, like, I'm not really reading into it as much, whereas I would with a team like San Francisco or even New England. But Carolina and Denver, I think, are in... Carolina has outwardly stated it with their interest in Deshaun Watson, and how David Tepper kind of operates as a businessman and his kind of philosophy, but and you know Denver, you brought up them bringing in Kyle Fuller. I mean, Denver is a quarterback away from being a playoff team, in my opinion. Like I, th- just think about what a dynamic quarterback would do. Um, that offense, I think they have all the weapons, and like uh, they're just a quarterback away from being one of the better teams in the NFL. I think. I think their defense has been really good. You bring back Justin Simmons. You bring in a guy like Kyle Fuller. They've been missing a. Uh, a corner, Bryce Callahan, you know, has been a solid corner too. So, my money is on one of those teams, if not both of those teams, jumping up. And then I would, me personally, being kind of a 49ers fan from afar, I would love to see them come up and get a quarterback as well too. So, there's just so much demand, man. I, I just feel like there has to be, there has to be some movers and shakers. And there's and there's way too much. Uh, there's just so much to be gained by trading down if you're a team like. You know, forget about the Jets and my Darnold bias, but if you're a team like Miami, you know, I guess there's there's Tua haters out there too. I wouldn't give up on Tua. I think he deserves to have another year. Um, there's just so much to be gained from trading back, so that's why I think there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking going on in the uh, the top 12 in the draft. And also, I will say, for the record, I will say right now, if I'm the Lions, I think it's, it's Jamar Waddle, whoever, whoever is there.
0: All right. I'd probably rather get Chase. Like I just I mean, you know my stance on receivers when you don't have the, the nucleus in place.
1: Yeah, no I hey, I uh, I get that and I think Chase can definitely make more happen for himself, but throw on some of that. What's what's uh what is the game that I told you guys to watch of Waddle that was just Yeah, you throw on that Missouri, throw on that Missouri twenty twenty tape or Auburn nineteen with Jalen Waddle man and just and just visualize. Visualize them in some Hollywood blue baby. Alright, I'll, I'll take I'll take a peek. Alright, Clepper, great talk. You stay scheming, boy.